could you give at Marks with Mike's podcast a shout out? Shout out! Hey, yo! Mr. Six Foot Nine, L. Cheech, and Dre the Juicy. You're listening to the Mars and Mike podcast. Let's start the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Mars and Mike. You already know it is by the sound of my voice. That's right, it's your boy, Mr. Six Foot Nine, JT, back in this piece once again. And Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Both co-hosts are here. So with that being said, you know I gotta say what's up to LG. What up, six nine? What's poppin', Juice Man? Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yo, let's get it. The Juice Man is back in the building, so that's what Juice Boxes. He's here. To... L- l- listen here. Start introducing me first. It's like it's like a surprise party being blown every time. God damn it, Cheech. Quit blowing the surprise. Quit blowing the surprise. I want to be introduced first from now on. My bad. I was uh, every week. Every week, people, I get blown. He blows the surprise. He'd be like, "Juice man, welcome back." Juice man, the fuck? Damn it! It's like a surprise party, and and and, and oh, Jesus Christ! A shout out to the juice boxes. Daddy's home. You want to do a running? <laughs> Doing a running every week. Jesus Christ. It's like you, you go into the ring and pull me out before the surprises. Before the surprises happening. I think whoever's um, booking Raw booked this intro. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, listen, either way, they knew who was on the episode if they read the description inside the link of the actual episode. And I just want to say thank you to all the listeners for tuning in for these past two weeks, back-to-back Thursdays, or tuning in to WWE Hall of Famer, The Godfather interview that we did, part one and part two, which is available on all streaming platforms. So when I say streaming platforms, I do mean uh, podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, of course, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, CastBox, PocketCast, Podbean. Radio Public, Overcast, Himalaya. Listen, you get the point where everywhere that podcasts are available. And, of course, thank you for checking it out on YouTube and following us on all our social medias. It is all the same to find us, whether you're trying to find us on Twitter, IG, The Book of Faces, YouTube. It is all the same. It is at Marks with Mikes. It is M-A-R-K-S-W-I-T-H-M-I. C.S. and I am not spelling it again. Whew. But yes, definitely want to give you all a big shout out. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to part one and part two of the Godfather interview. Thank you for your feedback. Uh, we look forward to doing more things in the future with some other Hall of Famers. I can't say too much, but let's just put it that way. Uh, but listen, you know why we're here. We're here to give you our weekly roundup of the review of the wrestling world. As you know, a lot of things happened between, I don't know, last Saturday and this Sunday. So we might as well go ahead and kick it off with what happened last Saturday. AEW's All Out, the biggest show of the year, 
And if you paid $59.99, a lot of y'all was a little bit unhappy because it did not come out the way they intended for it to come out. It was almost like baking a cake and taking it out too soon. If anyone is a baker out there, you know what happens. It just falls apart. So, um, yeah, All Out did not look too good from the start. There were a couple problems with me far as for my liking of All Out. The first big issue is having Dr. Britt Baker versus Big Swole on the buy-in. Uh, disclaimer, um, they moved it from the... Buy-in to the regular show. Buy-in was the private party in the Dark Order and Joey Janela and Serpent something to take you. <laughs> yes, Serpentico. It's crazy. Yeah, it's really. like, you got it right, though. So go ahead, JT. What, what was the deal? Well, damn, man. Your Spanish is a lot better than mine. I stayed in my uh, Miami majority of my life. But... El Diablo. El Diablo. El Fantasma. Uh, okay, listen. <laughs> <laughs> back to back to all out so yes my first big issue was them originally having that match on the buy-in and as she said they end up moving into the actual car which made perfect sense because i don't know if you're building that feud for that many months why would it be on the buy-in but needless to say it started out bumpy from the start with the battle royale a lot of debuts, one debut in particular, did not go too well. Most definitely had a high spot. Cheech, you want to explain what happened during this high spot with Matt Seidel? I heard about that one. Yeah, explain that one, Cheech. I heard about that one. The little rumble-ish little thing that they got. What they call it again? Anyway, Mr. Matt Seidel, a.k.a. Evan Bourne, a.k.a. I blaze a lot, a.k.a. I'm banned from Japan. But anyhow. He has um, the best names I've ever heard in my life, first of all. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, if I guess the humidity, Jacksonville, you know, you, you got from down south, so you, you you know how that could get. And um, it was unfortunate. To me, it's like, I know that's one of his moves, you know, his trademark move. But it's a freaking um, battle royal, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you could do is too risky, you know what I mean? But then again, that's me saying it. Of course, I'm not the one putting it in the work. Um, it's, you know what I mean? It, it, it was unfortunate, you know, just to see it. Because, you know, people get judged. But then, like, you know, like what I was telling everybody, kind of defending them. Like, hey, um, Eddie Guerrero, first match, fucking broke his elbow. You know what I mean? So... He turned out to be pretty good. Not comparing him to him, but I'm just saying, like, you know, things happen or whatever. But it was cool to see him. But P.S. Eddie Kingston was never eliminated. I love that. That is right. So we got like a situation going on here, like for the Royal Rumble, where where who who was it who never got eliminated? Uh, gosh, name on the top of my tongue. Member of the Social Outcasts. Uh, Mr. Perfect Son. Oh, yeah. Axe never got eliminated to this day. Curtis Axel. So we have a Curtis Axel situation with Eddie Kingston. Never got eliminated. Uh, but it wasn't a good night for people with the name Matt. Uh, we had Matt Macaradona inside the match. Uh, the matchup versus the Dark Order. I believe it was uh, Dustin 
Dustin Rhodes. Um, it was also Matt Cordona and gosh, what is the name of the other guy inside the uh, the Natural Nightmares? I guess that's what they call themselves. Basura. That's more like it. Uh, but yes, they they had that match, and it was not. It was not that. Wasn't that that interesting to me? I'm just gonna be honest. And then we end up to the other Matt, Matt Hardy, taking the most scariest bump off that ladder, missing the table, hitting his neck and his head on concrete. Now there were a lot of mixed reviews about this. Uh, Reby did not like it at first. When I seen it, I damn sure didn't like it. Uh, Aubrey threw up the X, which is an indicator for all you wrestling fans and wrestling marks. You know, anytime they throw up the X, that means someone is hurt. And they hurt bad. And when when I seen them throw up that X, me personally, the match should have stopped right then and there because, you know, I don't, I don't care, you know, hey, a, a doctor could have checked them, but doctors also can be wrong, which is why we get second opinions from doctors, you know? You may you may have one one doctor say, well, you have, a, you have a broken tibula. And then the next doctor may say, well, you actually just broke a toe. But it's, it's just, you know, with a fall like that, I don't, I, I wouldn't have let that match go on. You know, it's not, it's not the way that you wanted the match to end. I understand you want to send the fans home happy. And I also know that, hey, he, he's a trained professional. He's been doing this for a very long time. He, he's been doing this ever since I was a kid. So it's like, you know, for me, more so, I understand you want a big payoff. This feud has been stopped and started, stopped and started due to suspensions and things of that nature. But I just believe that at that particular time, honestly, I just would have stopped the match. But, hey, I'm not in charge of booking. You know, that's not my company. But as a fan from the outside looking in, I just think they should have stopped the match because you, you can look at the rest of that match and you can tell that he wasn't all the way there. You know, he was basically going off pure, pure adrenaline and pure motions. You know, the, the motions of, you know, just, just wrestling. But, you know... It's a very scary thing. I mean, some people compared it to Mick Foley falling off the cell and, you know, and all that stuff. But still, at the same time, it's a big difference in the time back, you know, back during the Attitude Era versus now in 2020. So much information that's been, you know, given to, you know, the wrestlers as far as concussion protocol and, you know, all, all all sorts of information just dealing with brain injuries. I just kind of feel like, you know, they they definitely should have just stopped the match. But I definitely feel, you know, definitely feel, you know, where both sides are coming from. How did you feel about that scary bump during that match? Uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure you, you've probably seen seen the clips online uh, somewhere, whether that be Twitter, IG, YouTube, Facebook. Juice Man, tell me, when you seen that, what was your first reaction? Because I thought he may have, you know, broken his neck. That, that was my first reaction. Well, Big Bang, I didn't see it, but I did hear about a lot about it on Twitter. 
and I was shocked to hear that. Like, I think he 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 kept going, and and you know he was cool. Like, I was shocked that you know he still wanted to keep going, and he kept going, even though I heard it described by words that the fall was very nasty, and a lot of people thought he was dead. So. You know, I haven't not seen a clip yet, but I've seen a lot of people on Twitter talking about it. Like Matt Hardy should be dead right now. How the hell is he still doing this match? And so, you know, that's just part of the messiness of this pay-per-view that I heard. Like this wasn't the only match. I heard a lot of it was a lot of mess and probably about every match on that card. But I heard, you know, just by describing about the people on Twitter, they said, like, he shouldn't have been standing. He should have been paralyzed for life from taking that bump. And I was shocked he got back up and still did the match. So, you know, I heard it was a nasty fall. I'm going to take a look at the clip later. But I definitely got a lot of retweets and a lot of people on Twitter telling me about it. Okay, Cheech, I know you've seen it. What, what was your first reaction? Me personally... Of course, like, I guess on TV, it looked more damaging. Well, I actually think of that bump, like, I guess on TV, looked at, you know, at there. But on TV, when I saw it, like, man, Hardy seemed, always seemed to, when he takes a bump, he takes it, like, kind of sideways. And he had turned his head while he fell, you know. But, um, you know, I see they, they kind of throw the X and all this stuff. But they continue with something else, and then they get went back to it. Like you were saying, with all the the tests that they do, you telling me that the doctor was able to clear him in less than ten minutes? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't know. Um, I'm glad he's okay. You know, at his age and stuff. But um, yeah, like for some reason, the 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 whole car to me, like it wasn't. Up to par, you know what I mean? Last year was better. I could say, honestly, so far, probably all out was the worst pay-per-view of 2020. So we did see that we have, it looks like we're going to have Raw Tag Team Champions versus the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Rumor is they're going to unify the belt uh, as far as the Tag Team Championships. Makes sense. Makes sense, but it's also stupid. I mean, no, remember, right? Yeah, no, because I'm, I'm thinking about it. Listen to me, brother. No, no. but um, if you're thinking about it. You know, what I mean, the, the, you know, the fact of what's going on with the COVID and stuff. All brands are being, other than let's say NXT at full sale, but everything else, they got a deal for what three months. You know, what I mean, I think at the Amway. So, makes sense for that. You know what I mean? The business side. Like, what would have, you know, to brand whatever you could have it in. But then in the long term, you know, scheme of things, I guess, it, it does kind of make a sense. Because it's like, you have done that before and you're going to do it fucking again. You know what I mean? Unless they probably came to that conclusion. It's like, which to me, they shouldn't be, it shouldn't be just being one tag team. And that whoever's the champion gets to be on other, you know, on other shows. You know what I mean? That that actually show you a champion. You know what I mean? Like you being utilized. You know what I mean? And you don't even have to wrestle all the time. You could come up and then boom, and the other show do a promo, like to the next challenger. You know stuff like that. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's uh, you know, first of all, you know, it's uh, you know, something 
stupid, you know, because eventually was, they were going to do that eventually. I saw, I saw it coming, especially you got Night of Champions coming up, but this month, I'm sorry, this motherfucker is going to have a fucking match at, on Raw. Like, I remember when most of the time when the belts were only defended on pay-per-views or a special moment, you know what I mean? They took that away. Like, it's, it don't mean the same, you know? Yeah, yeah. I hear you on that, bro. I mean, my my reason why I think it's stupid, but I but I also see where you're coming from, like, on the business side. Okay, you split up the brands. And honestly, they've done a good job in the past with the brands. It's just somewhere along the way, they lose their way continuing that upward success like i can remember back back when the first original brand split happened and you had tag teams on both shows literally running rough shop and so, some of those tag teams were were put together last minute like you know uh rosie rosie and the hurricane or you know rvd in the in the hurricane and but but then but then you had on smackdown you had you had tag teams like american alpha i'm not american alpha i'm sorry you had you had a tag teams like uh, Team Angle. You had uh, you know tag teams like Eddie and Chavo, Los Guerreros. You had uh, tag teams like Eminem. Uh, so many different tag. The Bashams. Yep, the Bashams. I mean, we can we we can go through a whole list of tag teams that they had on both brands, and it actually fell for a brief moment that they gave a shit about the tag team division. But I can see why they're doing it, because I'm going to be honest, and we, we all know this, uh, the best tag team division in the game right now, as far as wrestling goes, is AEW. I will be sitting here selling, telling the bold-faced lie. They, they have some of the hottest tag teams in the whole entire world. Hell, Impact Wrestling's tag team division it's better than WWE's right now, hands down. Yeah, I'll be, I'll yeah. but to me, AEW tag teams they just got tag teams, you know, they got tag teams. But for some reason, I it's like the storylines that are everywhere, like what's going on, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, you got the best friends and all this stuff, but if they get their storylines together, they're good. They, they got to me, they got the most tag teams, and they got some good tag teams. But yeah, they are. But but like they could they could be blowing shit out of the the water. You know what I mean? When you got Angelico and Evans, come on! They barely started. They started using them not that long ago. You know what I mean? That they got depth. That's for sure. But storyline wise, I don't know what the fuck they do. No, no, they don't. They don't. Uh, another. Sorry, not the. Not to like leave from what we're originally talking about, and I know we run on tangents here. We're talking about the idea of Raw and SmackDown, possibly just maybe you unifying the, the tag team championships. And you know, you got Cesaro and Shinsuke, and you got, uh, of course, on Raw, you got the Street Profits. And you know, if, if you're going to do a unifying match, okay, yeah, what, whatever, okay. But, you know, one thing's for sure, do a brand new belt design. Them tag titles are ugly as shit, all right? Those are the ugliest tag titles in all of wrestling. And I'm talking about independent wrestling. I'm talking about backyard wrestling. 
I'm talking about 80 Retro Video Games Wrestling. It is the ugliest tag team title I have ever seen. Uh, I'm sorry. I just had to get off my chest. But, you know, I don't know, man. Unifying the tag division, it just goes away from the whole idea to me of a brand split, you know, of of an actual brand split. Because the first thing they did that really pissed me off with this whole entire brand split, and I'm sticking on the subject of the tag team titles, is they took away the individual pay-per-views. And I know what one of the things that was going on with that is they were running too many pay-per-views per month. And if they would have stuck to doing how they used to do uh, um, back in the original brand split. Now they still run so many pay-per-views. No, shit. No, 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 no. That's, that's uh, yeah, they, they, they still do. I mean, we, we had SummerSlam and we had Payback uh, the, the very next fucking Sunday. With zero bills, you have to refund in two weeks. <laughs> like, bro, seriously, seriously. Like, I mean, yeah, that that to me was stupid when when they stopped giving them individual pay per views. Like, if they would have did it back in the day, how they used to do one one month Raw would have a pay per view, the next month SmackDown would have a pay per view. Like, if they would have kept that formula going. It would have been uh, they they could have kept the whole brand split uh, pay per views thing going on, but then you know they came out with that silly ass song saying, "Oh, we're all going to be together on pay per views," and it t- absolutely took away the whole feeling of an actual brand split. So it really hasn't been a real brand split in a while. But I mean, at this point, why not go, go ahead and unify the titles? But do I personally like it? No. But it's WWE's tag team division that shitty that they need to unify the tag yeah. team uh, titles. Hell yeah! And it's not—it's it, not that they don't have the talent. It's that they—they're not, not utilizing the talent, and they're not letting the talent actually wrestle. Like you got—you got guys like Heavy Machinery that can actually put on good tag team matches. You got—you got guys in in the back where you know you got the Lucha House Party who's being utilized a little bit more. But they actually put on fucking decent tag team matches. Like, there's so many tag teams throughout both of these locker rooms that they can actually have a decent tag team division. But I'm sorry. I'm going off on the tangent. Dre, how do you feel about them unifying these titles if that's going to happen? Dre, they should, shit. I mean, you don't really have too many tag teams, you know. Shit, do you know what they should do? They should unify them. Even unify them to the point where you could go to NXT like the women's. Hell, even, you know, when, when COVID died down, go to England. Like, that'll break a lot of a lot of pizzazz and fears to, to the tag team division. You know, that'll be crucial. You could go see the New Day at NXT TakeOver UK or, you know what I mean? I think that'll be good, but, I mean, is it going to happen? Probably not. But, yeah, they should unify them, though. I think it'll be better, you know, just to, you know, it'll get their tag teams on the map. You know, I mean, I already think, you know, even though they was injury prone, I already think they made the mistake by dropping my boys. But we'll talk about that later. But um, I think that, you know, just to agree with y'all, you know, it's a lot of independent wrestling companies that got better tag team divisions than the WWE. So, yeah, it's 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 just terrible. Like, I think they should unify them where they can get more feuds out of the tag teams. And, and get to really know these people more because, like, really, 
Do, do we even have any classic, you know, up-to-date tag teams that y'all think are like, okay, GOATs today? Do y'all really, do y'all see any? Hell yeah, man, you got the Usos, definitely. Okay, okay, besides them, damn it, besides the Usos and the New Day, who else do you see? Um, besides them? Lucha Party. No, yeah. no. Lucha, man, Lucha House Party is on fucking fire, bro. They're they're good, but are they like, 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 no, like caliber of great tag teams, like of yesteryear? Like we only have two. Well, they're not booked. They're not booked to that's, meet. I mean, that's the... that's facts. But you got to Okay, we'll give Lucha House Party an honorable mention. So. You got them three. Who else do you really have in today's wrestling, as in tag teams, in the WWE? Miss and Morrison? Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, uh, nah, nah. I mean... Uh, no, no. Andrade. Andrade Angel Garza. Honorable mention. What else? I mean, I mean, I mean, these people are just now getting established. I'm talking about... Let's go from 2010 to now. Dude, name me established tag teams. That's going to um, get the ball from Vince and them later down the line and get the ring. Name me, name me some tag teams. That's a hard task, son. Because it ain't many. That's why. Exactly. You only got the New Day and the Usos. And I'm talking about genuine tag teams not okay not let's have a best of seven series and then become tag team you get what i'm saying no i'm going with that one no That's, no you're right you're... you get what i'm saying i mean that these are just tag teams okay we don't have a tag team let's put um mr six foot nine and juice man in a tag team like even though we'll be a hell of a tag team but i'm just saying we don't have that, so I would unify I me. Mean, you got better tag teams in in NXT and NXT UK. Do something, unify them, get them introduced. Like you know, heavy machinery. These are all products of NXT that we're talking about now. So it, it's really you can't really throw War Raiders. These are all people that was in NXT putting on great matches before NXT was a household name. It really had no tag teams. You had Evan Bourne and 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 and, and Evan Bourne and, and and whoever else. Like, Kofi, Kofi right. Kingston. Yeah, right. What Air Boom? Really? Another put together shabbledy gook. A new word for the day, by the way. But that's what I'm saying. Like it's just it's just not. It's been real inconsistent throughout the years. I rest my case. I'm not even gonna lie for a second there. I thought you were speaking Bill Cosby. Uh, <laughs> The pudding pops. Oh. Yeah, but listen, hey, enough about All Out, enough about the unifying the tag team titles. Let's get ready to hop into this interview with JT Energy after we take this quick, quick break. Man, it's kind of crazy that, you know, only Marks or Mice is really going to get the Godfather himself on the line, you know. You can't really sum up the Attitude Era without characters like The Godfather. And I remember growing up, you know, playing N64, WWF No Mercy as a little kid, and this seemed like the coolest character, man. 
no podcast is doing it better. Hey, this is Connor from Parma, Ohio, and I just want to say I really love part one of this uh, podcast with the Godfather. Every everything about it was just so cool, from learning about his background in sports to his introduction to beating Jerry Waller on his first night in wrestling to even just his Vince McMahon impersonation was outstanding. I love every single second from this podcast, and I can't wait for part two. Thanks. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, once again. You already know what it is by the sound of my voice. That's right. It's your boy, Mr. Six Foot Nine. JT, back in this piece once again. And listen, so sorry today, ladies and gentlemen. It is Thursday, and as on every Thursday, besides a couple Thursdays that we miss due to technical difficulties and, of course, uh, personal issues. But, um, Every Thursday, we try to release an interview with talent from across this nation. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Dre the Juice Man cannot be on tonight, and El Cheech is a little bit underneath the weather, but that's okay. Your man, Mr. Six Foot Nine JT, is going to steer the ship, and we're going to definitely have a good time on this interview. I just want to, first of all, tell you all before we get into this interview, I want to thank you all for tuning in to uh this past thursday and matter of fact just both episodes part one and part two of the godfather interview uh wwe hall of famer class 2016 godfather that is thank you for checking it out on youtube thank you for listening to it on all of the platforms that we are available on and we have to remind you to follow us on all of them but so since i said it i might as well go ahead and tell you where to follow us so uh definitely you want to make sure that you're following us on twitter ig the book of faces aka facebook and youtube it is all the same at marks with mics that is m-a-r-k-s-w-i-t-h-m-i-c-s uh make sure you do follow us of course on whatever podcast listening device you're listening to whether that be spotify apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, Radio Public, Himalaya, Podbean, Stitcher. Look, you get the drift. We are available everywhere that podcasts are available. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe, leave us a comment inside there, and give us a rating. You know, give us a rating. Anything going to need for three, you hate. I'm just going to be straight up honest with you. But man, that was a manful of manful <laughs> that was a mouthful i should say uh but i have to get to why we are here today so if you have been paying attention to uh, social media which we try to do our best to stay active on you do know that we had a special guest on the show today and this guest has also been on our our brothers in podcasts, uh, Dark Match Podcast, and as well as Wrestling Chairs. So I definitely said to myself, listen, I have to get a piece of this guy on the show. And if you don't know I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about the six-star booty. I'm talking about none other than JT Energy. What's going on, man? What is up, JT? It is the Michael Jordan of Misting, the filth you can't wash off, the six-star booty. JT Energy, welcome to the experience. And I am happy to be here. Finally, Marks with Mikes. I love podcasting with you and your podcast family, and I am excited to talk to you tonight. 
And we are definitely excited to have you, man. So uh, definitely got to get the listeners just acclimated with who you are. So definitely, man, let's let's just go ahead down memory lane. Just tell me the beginning where you could remember at. First of all, where were you born and where are you from? I was born and raised in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, my family is from there. Well, my dad's family is from there. My mom's family is from Iowa. We moved to Iowa uh, when I was 10 years old. And I lived in Thor. Yes, Thor, just like the superhero, Thor, Iowa, for, you know, as long as I could remember before I took my took myself and I took my adventure on to college. So, born and raised in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we jumped, we went up to Iowa. My mom said it was for getting us out of uh, a neighborhood that was turning kind of sketchy into uh, chase a better education system, which they felt like Iowa had um, as far as the states ranked. So, my mom was trying to take care of us, and, you know, things, things hopped on from there, so... As far as where I was born and raised, I started in the south, and then I kind of just hopped up north a little bit to the Midwest, and now I'm here. All right, so, you know, that, that seems like a big move, Oklahoma to Iowa, uh, definitely a big climate change and things of that sort. So how were you like in, uh, in school, like growing up, uh, you know, for me personally? I didn't get I didn't get the cool bug, you know, as far as being the cool guy in school, probably into about maybe uh, middle school, if that, you know. So w- when when did you try when did you start to uh, notice, say, hey, I'm the cool kid or were you more reserved to yourself? Man, it, it's a journey. It's a journey for all of us. And when I was in Oklahoma, that was, you know, kindergarten through fourth grade. And that's when you're growing up, you're learning to start to socialize. I mean, you're you're just a, you're just a little guy out there running around during recess, you know, playing soccer, you know, swinging on the monkey bars, you know, running after girls, having them run after you. You know, you're just experiencing what being a kid really is. And then I got that all swept up from under my feet when I felt like I was starting to, you know, make moves in life when it comes to just learning maybe who I was as a kid and what I liked and what maybe middle school had to bring for me. But then that all changed. And, you know, I was stuck into a brand new situation, which was a small town. And that small town was really different from where I just came from. And trying to be the new kid in school when it's your first year of middle school and fifth grade and you know all of a sudden you don't necessarily know how to socialize or interact with people because you don't you don't know what to do and i wouldn't say i was necessarily the kid who's running up to everybody saying hey what's up hey my name's you know whatever it's it was one of those where it was a really trying experience for a long time and you just kind of have to have to find kids that have those same same tendencies is you and along the way lucky for me you know, finding things through sports teams that you have you know the same interest in or things like video games that you can kind of talk about or lucky for me pro wrestling uh 
but I feel like my story when it comes to school, it's it's similar to what I've heard many a times, and that is you don't necessarily find a place for yourself to excel or you look at the world of professional wrestling and you see people that you want to aspire to be. But when you look at yourself, you don't necessarily see something that can be what's in front of you. And you don't know how to reach out and have a huge support system. When you tell people when you're in middle school or your first couple years of high school, that your dream when you grow up is to be a professional wrestler and people just roll their eyes at that. Instead of if you say, hey, I want to be a doctor and everyone says, oh, my gosh, absolutely. What can, we got to push you to the moon. So it was it was weird. I would definitely say during my time of high school and even some of middle school, the stuff that I was in did not make me a popular kid. I tried to be as nice as possible. I never I wasn't a troublemaker or anything of that nature. I tried to be nice to all my teachers because they were always nice to me. But there's definitely some kids that I look back on in life who were who were jocks and they were better at sports than I was. And being able to look at them and think to myself that I thought a lot less of myself and definitely felt bullied in that aspect because I I felt inferior to them and not knowing how to chase a dream of professional wrestling and being different. And seeing someone like Jeff Hardy on TV and seeing how loved and accepted he was for being different made me want to aspire to be that. Made me look up to someone like him because that's all I felt like I was. I wanted tattoos and piercings and different colored hair and baggy pants and, you know, all that craziness when I was in school. So as far as like being comfortable with myself and who I am and who I was like I maybe halfway through my senior year of high school is maybe when I had an ounce of confidence that made me think to myself all right I think I might know who I am I don't have to worry too much about where I'm going from here but it took a long time now that that could definitely you know play mental games on you. I mean, I, I I know personally for for myself, you know, growing up and you know, especially coming through school, two things you didn't want to say out loud. Uh, number one, and you wanted to be a Power Ranger, and number two, that you watch professional wrestling. Uh, you know, it was almost like shunned upon. Uh, you know, especially once you got. To high school, it was like, okay, why haven't you grown out of this yet? And it's, you know, for, for me personally, you know, it's it's nothing that, that I hid, but it was almost something that were it was closeted for people that kind of didn't want people to know. I mean, a, a lot of people are now coming out the wrestling closet, as I, as I, I, I like to say it. Uh, but back then, it, it was almost, you know, hey, it was something that you hid from people. Unless, uh, unless you... Unless you, of course, ran across somebody who had some, you know, wrestling merchandise on, like, I know in middle school, what was big and popping for us was DX, you know, a lot of DX and NWO t-shirts, a lot of Nation of Domination uh, merchandise, uh, people were clicked up in school, you had people clicked up like, like they were DX, people that were clicked up like they were the NWO, but, you know, it was only within a certain circle, you know, out, outside of that circle, 
if uh you know as far as the middle school you know outside of that circle once she crossed the line and got to high school it was like well you know we definitely to have you know d different aspirations and things that that you watch but you did mention video games and that's something that's near and dear to my heart and a lot of listeners are so uh what era of video games did you start off in? Uh, was it more so the Atari, Super Nintendo, uh, I'm sorry, the Atari, Nintendo, Sega Genesis era? Or were you more so uh, Super Nintendo and beyond? Uh, I've had a chance to live through most all of it. Um, I feel like I'm definitely in the same ballpark as age as you. And I was fortunate enough that I can remember uh, being little and going to uh going to a, a family cabin that was shared and my family bringing along our atari and playing <laughs> playing things like space invaders and you know maybe only one or two games that really caught my eye but that was kind of my first experience with just watching things tick back and forth across the screen trying to shoot them um and just being starting to fall in love with something that was brand new kind of to the world as far as being console gaming um but i was lucky enough to be one of those kids that uh got to go and have a nintendo um and play things like duck hunt and mario and paperboy and you know it wasn't one of those things where you were seeking out a giant library uh of cartridges that's when your video stores started to expand into also video game rental stores. So, yes, I had a Nintendo, but on the weekends, I was fortunate enough that maybe I get to go and rent a VHS tape movie. And I also get to rent a video game and hope that my video game works when I get home so I don't have to sit there and clean it or blow on it as hard as I can. Um, but that's where I got to dip my foot into that and play some of those early uh early wwf games like wrestlemania um so that's that's as far as i go back in video games and from there i progressed into uh super nintendo then into a playstation a playstation 2 and then i jumped ship over to an xbox 360 um and finally the last thing i've bought is just uh one of the basic xbox ones so i've had i've had a uh, quite the trip when it comes to what I've owned over the years and digging my digging my heels pretty deep into some of those consoles and games over the years. Yeah, man. See, you 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 definitely just went everywhere as far as the video game um, anthology. I mean, me personally, myself, I, I remember me and my older brother, we we actually had a throwback throwback video game system. I know, I mean, we did have Atari. I don't know what this game system was, but it came with a controller attached to a small monitor unit. And we played uh, Asteroids on there. And we, you know, we would take turns playing it. I mean, of course, there's only one player uh, at the time, but it came on like a black and white screen and we, we would play that that game. And I, I remember, you know, moving on from there and, you know, of course, hopping into you know, Nintendo, like like yourself, uh, one of my favorite games on there was, of course, Super Mario Brothers. I mean, well, Mario Brothers. I mean, I think that's everyone's classic go-to. But Duck Hunt. Duck Hunt was the game that pissed me off because the fucking dog will always pop up. And <laughs> it's, like, it's like, fuck you, I know I shot the duck. 
I know I shot it. Don't tell me I didn't shoot it. And, you know, and you gotta understand, like this, this is going back before before we actually had, you know, what what we have now with VR. You know, far as far as being able to actually have the interaction where controller meets, you know, game system and is able to actually, you know, li line up your movement and, and your aim. And there, there were many times that I would just shoot at the screen and I know I'm aiming right, but I'm not hitting the duck. And I'm I'm like, this is BS. It's like, I know I shot that duck at least three times. I pulled the trigger three times. You're trying to tell me I didn't at least go one out of three. Even LeBron goes one out of three at the free throw line. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, man. But uh, but yeah, I, de I definitely re remember, you know, playing playing the consoles and things like that. And you definitely took me back far as uh, and some of the listeners may be younger. But listen, if y'all don't know the hell we had to go through playing video games growing up, man, blowing on the cartridge. Sometimes that wouldn't work. And one one of my go to moves was taking a Q-tip, putting a little bit of alcohol on the Q-tip and rubbing it. <laughs> rubbing it on the inside and cleaning it out now if that didn't work the game was just bad you, you, you got screwed and of course we evolve and we go to the disc now <laughs> the first the first disc game for me was i actually skipped over sega saturn i, I mean not sega saturn not sega cd and i went right to sega saturn and oh. man that that right there was tough um, very, very tough to adjust to far as, uh, you know, with the graphics and also the movements, like everything moves so damn slow on Sega Saturn. And, you know, it was, it was almost like, you know, the video game and the controller was playing Marco Polo, tr trying to meet each other far as on the actual movements, but it was horrible, <laughs> fucking horrible. Uh, Dreamcast, which me personally, I call it the prototype for the Xbox. I mean, it it screamed like once I seen the Xbox come out and I seen what the Dreamcast was, I was like, man, it's like Microsoft definitely took a lot of ideas from Dreamcast because I didn't have an issue with Dreamcast. I actually liked Dreamcast when it came out. They just didn't have a big library to to go through. Yeah, between you know between Sony and uh, you know. Sony and Nintendo uh, owning everything. Uh, but, man, I'm, I'm getting too caught up on video games. Uh, so, since we are on video games, um, I'll tell you back, I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll leave video games alone. And we're going to hop back on video games later on in the show once we drift away from wrestling. Because we're here to talk about wrestling. So, at what age would you say that you got hooked on wrestling? Uh, it's definitely right there in that same time and I can relate to it. So I'm still in elementary school when I'm having a chance to start to explore video games. And like I said, we're going to, um, a video store on the weekends and the place that we went to most of the time was called A to Z video. And they had the video game section that wrapped around and it started to wrap around slightly into a kid's movie section. And then it stopped. And then there was another restart where it was a, like a sports section. And in the sports section, they also had wrestling. And that's in my head. I feel like that's where I first at least started to watch wrestling. I don't remember watching wrestling until Monday Night Raw. But I don't think I watched 
I don't think I was looking for something like Monday Night Raw until after I started to rent some of the Coliseum videos like WrestleMania, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, all those classic vintage VHS tape covers that you stood there and you looked at and you go, oh my God, these look amazing. What What is this? And so I was able to rent that stuff. And first and foremost, I'm probably grabbing the ones with the most colorful covers or the people on there like Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man, Hulk Hogan, people that are jumping off the box and they have these amazing looks to them and i'm just intrigued so at some point my mom had to have thought okay whatever i'll let him rent a wrestling vhs tape or you know something of that nature while he plays a video game no big deal no harm and that's where i was first introduced to it i have no idea the first thing i rented i don't know what sparked it what made me fall in love with it but that's like my first recollection of thinking to myself okay, I like professional wrestling. And because of my age, I was able to grow up from the first time that there was a Raw on the USA Network and think to myself, holy cow, I don't have to rent VHS tapes anymore. This is on once a week. This is amazing. And of course, they still got the VHS tapes, you know, five months behind or whatever it was, but you could go back and watch the pay-per-views that way. So you could kind of be introduced to the characters that were on TV. That's where I fell in love with that stuff. And a little bit later, you know, you're flipping through channels and I don't know the magazines. That's that's where I got to, you know, start to find find my hunger to want to learn more about this amazing thing that I've felt like I've been involved with my entire life. Now, you know, wrestling itself is such a big world. Uh, you know, you mentioned WCW. Me personally, myself, growing up in the South, uh, down in Florida, WCW was big. Uh, it, it, it was, it, it was big in the South. WWF at the time was big just globally, period. But, you know, WCW, quote unquote, is where the big boys play. And, uh, they had characters, but they weren't too far out as WWE. F at the time, you know they they both had characters. Uh, let's let's just go go ahead and get that straight. Uh, but WCW's presentation um, was more like uh, I mean Bischoff says, says it himself, and you know shout out shout out to Bischoff for the shout out at the beginning of the intro. But you know uh, WCW just gave away uh, pay per view matches. And this is, this is even like, you know, before even the height of the Monday Night Wars, you know, you're looking at guys like Sting and Rick Rude, uh, you know, Rick Rude, who had wrestled for WWF and went to, to WCW. You had, uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat also jumping ship to WCW. And you're, you're seeing all these guys who were just on, you know, WrestleMania a couple of years ago. Just on, uh, you know, just on these events, SummerSlam, and now they're in this whole different company, uh, which to, to a kid, you know, it was like a little bit confusing, but at the same time, you started to realize, wait a minute, this is an actual business business. Like there's different companies. I mean, I would never compare, compare these two like this, but this is just the only thing that can pop up in my head, right? So you had, well, you know, WWF at the time was, you know, was 
how can I say, uh, tricks and WCW was Fruity Pebbles. It's like, you know, same concept as far as all the, the, the colorful and the, you know, the colorful, um, presentation that's put into it, but, you know, way two different tastes. Um, but as a kid, did you find yourself finding it hard to choose between the two or were you like myself and just watched both and you got a chance? I definitely, when I was younger, was primarily a WWF kid. Uh, I was definitely sucked more into WWF and I don't know if I don't know if the characters just got me or I, I realized I had more friends in school that were also into WWF. So I felt like, oh, okay, well, this is what it seems like we all have in common. And like, we all knew WCW existed. Um, but I don't think, I don't think I became like a back and forth watcher until, I mean, back and forth when Nitro started for sure. I mean, that's when it was like, okay, now I have the ability to flip back and forth and actually be one of those kids during the Attitude Era. I did watch, uh, you know, WCW on TBS, uh, when they had like the spinning ring, um, WCW like Saturday night. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely remember watching a lot of that when we had like Johnny B. Bad and we had, you know, Vader and Sting. And you, you had a lot of really good people coming through there. And in my head, I don't realize how good these people are at the time because the presentation's a little bit different. But being able to look back and be like, yeah, you were watching Stunning Steve Austin and Brian Pillman as the Hollywood Blondes and beautiful Bobby Eaton and all these people where I look back and I'm like, man, that guy doesn't look like Bret Hart. He doesn't look like Shawn Michaels or man, this guy doesn't look like Diesel. But once you finally start to get some of the people to pop up, like your Hulk Hogan's, your Ric Flair's, uh, your Macho Man Randy Savage's, like I started to notice, oh, okay, these guys, they're the major players because they're only showing up once every couple of weeks to wrestle a match on WCW Saturday night. But once it was finally announced that we had WCW Monday Nitro in the TNT and you realized it was going head to head but you also kind of put two and two together and you were like wait a second they're going to start an hour earlier and then that's I mean what a smart thing for Nitro to do to say hey tune to us and then at the top of the hour make it really hard for you to turn over the WWF, or if you do turn over, be like, man, I got to get back to Nitro. So I was able to give myself a little bit of knowledge before we got into the Monday Night Wars of WCW. Uh, but, you know, it started to get crazy once we had two channels to flip back and forth between. Yeah, man. I mean, for myself, and I tell this story plenty of times on, on, on the show. Cable was an on and off thing inside my mother's house. Uh, depending on how long that promotion ran, that's how long we had cable. A month or two after that promotion, if it started to go up, we couldn't get the bill down. No cable. My dad's house was the solitude for wrestling. I can always watch wrestling there. My mom, not so much. If you ever seen the water boy, that was my mom. Don't watch wrestling. It's the devil. <laughs> now, now that wasn't her 24 seven. It was just about wrestling, you know. 
she she really too much care for because I was the type of kid, my older brother was the type of kid, you know, that we would reenact what we saw. Like I remember, you know, growing up, you know, my mom was a softball player. I mean, she she went all across this great country, you know, traveling, doing tournaments, uh, winning trophies inside the Magic Mag, uh, the Magic Johnson uh, softball tournament in Michigan and just everywhere. And I remember taking one of her uh, softball gloves, and my brother did the same thing with another one of her gloves. We put a belt through it, and that was our first ever championship belt that we made. You know, of course, we couldn't glue it on there. You know, my mom needed a play outfield so you know definitely need to make sure she had a glove but um you know were were you the kid that reenacted these moves on friends and family uh because i myself can tell you uh, my younger siblings have been in every submission move probably known to man that was popular uh through the through the 80s 90s and the 2000s oh absolutely uh there like, sure, I have my friends that, you know, we get together and we'd be like, all right, we're going to do, we're going to do this move or that move, or I'm going to put you in the sharpshooter, the figure four leg lock or whatever, but you don't necessarily have enough strength to do like a power bomb or, you know, a running power slam. Like, you want to be careful because the last thing you want is for somebody's parents to come yell and say, knock that off, or somebody's going home or somebody's grounded. But I definitely terrorized my sister multiple times where she would want to do something and i would say we can't do this unless you let me do this and i don't know how many times i was able to give my sister a power bomb or a razor's edge or put her in the sharpshooter any of those things and sometimes it was good and it was fine other times it was bad and she would end up crying or i would get yelled at or I would, you know, lean too far back in a submission or some stupid stuff like that. But man, the stuff my sister put up with to try to, you know, try to be a good sister to me and let me do wrestling moves to her, like, you know, that's that's why I love her and I couldn't thank her enough because, you know, she's always been supportive of me no matter what I did to her when we were little. And you also got to look at it, man. I mean, look at the outcome and made her a stronger woman today. Uh, because, because I look at, I look at my sister now and I, I remember putting her in the walls of Jericho. I remember putting her into the figure four leg lock, uh, the Texas Cloverleaf, uh, the two moves that she absolutely, absolutely hated for me to put on her. Uh, number one was the mandible claw because. <laughs> You know, I had massive hands, man. Still yeah. have massive hands. Uh, my, I mean, it, even my son, who's three months old, has has massive hands uh, now. But the mandible claw, absolutely hated because I would actually pull pull the sock out out of my pants and <laughs> the whole the whole nine yards. I, I would pull the sock out of my my pants. I, I remember even drawing on one of my socks, and my mom getting mad. You know, because because I drew on my socks and, you know, I, I made the point like, mom, they're socks. No one's going to see the bottom of my sock. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't think it's a big deal. But, yeah, I remember putting her in, in the minimal claw and the other move that she absolutely hate still to this day is the crippler crossface, uh, the crossface cripplers, uh, Chris Benoit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I, I remember doing that and her, you know. 
yelling and my mom, you know, coming. And I definitely, I didn't get grounded. Uh, I got my ass beat uh, because, <laughs> you know, my my mom was, oh, you, you're too, you know, you know, you're too big to be doing doing that stuff because I was always a big kid. Like, you know, I've never had a small day in my life. I mean, I, I only have two baby pictures now that that are relevant. Well, that 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 exists that I know of. I have zero baby pictures from the hospital. My baby pictures, the two that I have, start at you know four months and six months. That's it. Still to this day, I think that I'm adopted. Uh, but um, you know, I like I've always been this this huge kid, and I, I remember you know putting these moves on on friends and you know friends and family and playing wrestling in the backyard because we we didn't have a trampoline you know when when we played outside you know if we wanted to do a body slam the body slam would take place on the the hard ground you know you know things like that you know i I can vaguely remember you know people screaming and parents coming to get their kids because the parents didn't want their kids playing with me anyways because you know i was (laughs) You know, I was eight years old, but but I looked like I was fifteen or sixteen. You know, so yeah. hey, I can't control that. But enough about that. Uh, so the wrestling bug bit you while you were young. You put wrestling moves on your sister, which I commend you for because you know that's just the only thing to do. I mean, while growing up, sister has to be the test of just what it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you. You, you get through all that, you move to Iowa, you, you, you get in high school, and in high school, uh, you, you mentioned that some of the things that you were part of wasn't too popular with the people. So, uh, in high school, what, what did you do, uh, outside of academics? Were you involved in anything as far as any type of sports or clubs or anything like that? Uh, for the most part, when I was in high school, I tried, I tried to continue to find a way to be athletic. So there was, I want to say my freshman year, I tried to play basketball. My junior year, I tried to play basketball. I never was able to commit to a full season of football. I tried football once and I did like everything up until the first time that they gave us pads. And I went home and I put all the pads on and I just looked at myself and I was like, man, this isn't me. I'm just, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not who I am. Like, I don't, I don't have this passion and this love for it that I see all these other guys out there because when I tried jumping into football, like they're, they're putting us through drills and different things and I have no idea what's going on. I'm like looking around, like trying to be told, like, what am I doing? What do I do? What does this mean? And I didn't get it, and I just knew that wasn't for me. I've always loved basketball, and I've always loved baseball. Uh, but when you go from middle school to high school, and you try to play a sport, baseball, I just I'm so intimidated by how fast everything all of a sudden was, from Little League to like a JV and things of that nature. So the first time that I have guys throwing from third base to first base, and I'm trying to catch this stuff, or I'm trying to catch these uh, fly balls out in the outfield on this huge field. I was like, man, I don't know if I can do this. Like, again, like, I just didn't have that inner, inner voice to tell me, no, like, it's, it's the long game. Like, don't worry about right now. 
just progress and learn and enjoy it. I tried the hardest through basketball and you know, showing up in the morning and doing drills and things of that nature. But again, like just being intimidated by the people that you're surrounded by and not feeling like they're there to build you up, but they're trying to give you tough love. But tough love can sometimes come off as bullying if you don't have a hard outer shell. And when you're in high school, I did not have that hard outer shell. I was trying my damnedest, but I was just sitting there on the bench, just riding it, watching my other teammates get all the playing time. And even when we're up by a bunch and I do get to go in, I still feel like I can't do anything right. I just feel, you know, that I'm being yelled at. And it's one of those things where I just think to myself, I'm like, I wake my ass up and I put in all this hard work and I get to go in when we're up by 20 points and I still get yelled at for doing something wrong. Like it was extremely intimidating. And the only way that I could show my coach in basketball that I respected the hell out of him is I would sit and I would listen to what he was yelling, when he was yelling it and who he was yelling it at. And so when he would yell and do everything that he could, all, over those next couple of years, like that's the same stuff I was yelling out. He, you know, he'd yell so much that he would start to lose his voice, and I would try to mimic him and to prove to him I'm listening to you. I know what you're saying. I understand why you're saying it. So even though I didn't get this amazing amount of playing time and I sat my ass on the bench more than I even wanted to, I still was trying to prove to myself like I, I am athletic. I do like sports there's just so many people ahead of me that are so much better at this stuff that i'm just not where i need to be i'm not finding these things that i love and i didn't feel like i found something that i truly love when it came to uh sports or a sport until my sister who's just a couple years younger than me got to high school and she got involved in the dance team the drill team at school and I started, uh, I started to date one of the girls that was on the drill team and they had a drill team night where they perform all their dances and they do all kinds of other stuff. And one of the things that they do is they do, they do a co-ed dance. And so the girls, you know, invite a guy to learn a small part of a dance. And then during the dance, there's also a small part where the guys do a little bit of a routine and then they come back and they dance with the girl again. And that was the first time that I felt like, okay, not only do I get to be around these girls, but I'm not bad at dancing. Like, I feel like I have a good, a little bit of rhythm. And when it was time for, like, the part where just the guys got to dance and seeing all these people that showed up to support this drill team, and then you start dancing, they, you know, guys don't dance in that time there's no guy dance team and when they get to see me dance and move a little bit oh, man that all of a sudden i was hooked on performing I, I wanted to dance i wanted to be in front of people uh, that was that was my love because i was falling in love with things like art in school i mean if there was an art class i took it i wanted to express myself i felt like that's where my love was it was through my expression of different mediums like paint and drawing, whether it be pencil or pen or clay, all that stuff. I just, I wanted to express myself and I started to realize through these different things that, okay, this is my expression. This is where I can go, what I can do, what I love. 
And that's where I started to really dip my toes into dance and being able to find a way to express myself through something that's extremely physical if you put a lot of time and effort into it because the sports just didn't, they didn't do it for me along the way. So you you hopped into the the dance scene and uh you know learning learning the course moves uh with the drill team and things of that sort and you also mentioned art. Now I'm going to touch on, on 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 the dancing. First of all, I commend you for that because you know dancing requires so much energy. Uh, it takes so much out of you, but it also gets you in shape. Like you know when you're dancing. You literally use every part of your body. Uh, you know, you're stretching every part of your body, you know, from, from your biceps, your tricep, uh, your glutes, every single part of your body, you're, you're dancing. So dancing kept you pretty much in, in shape and think things of that nature. And, uh, you, you talked about, of course, doing art, you know, and, you know, signing up art classes and, uh, you know, getting the chance to express yourself. And now, the only reason why I'm even saying anything about art, because there's a funny story behind the word art. So um, I remember elementary school, I think this was either third grade. Yeah, third third grade, Citrus Cove Elementary. I'll never forget this. I had a teacher named Mr. Larry. So Larry, was, uh, Mr. Larry, uh, you know, he taught us the basics in, in art in elementary. Never seen Mr. Larry again, right? So all of a sudden, this new girl comes into school, and I am just absolutely, you know, infatuated with her. And um, I introduce myself, and I become the classic, you know, I guess you could say stalker when you really break everything down. Not now that I think about it, that was some stalking type shit. But um, you know, I end, I end up finding out, you know, what what classes she had, and she had art. So at the time I had a jury class where we made them, you know, we learned how to make jury, you know, inside that class, you know, we made rings. A lot of people were making grills and, you know, charms and what have you. But, um, I switched my elective. I mean, I literally, I remember like, uh, yesterday going, going up to the office, talking to, talking to, I think my, my counselor at, at the time and telling him, Hey, I want to switch my elective to art just because I wanted to get into her class, right? So here's the kicker. Well, I didn't know that she was inside advanced art because she had been into art and she stuck with it all the way from elementary all the way to high school. But we end up getting the same teacher, but we end up having it at different periods. So never guess who my high school art teacher is, Mr. Leary. Well, Mr. Leary and I didn't have the best relationship. And I remember you know, even back in elementary, all the way up into high school, you know, to get on his nerves, I would always sing Elton John's Benny in the Jets, but I would replace Benny with Lenny, and he would be so fucking mad about that. But uh, <laughs> I mean, one one of my favorites, but he would be so mad. But the crazy part is, is that the whole class would join along, and I remember so many times getting kicked out. But yeah, I ended up failing art. Um, ended up failing that elective. Uh, but let's let's move on from there. So you know, you you, you end up, of course, dancing and, and things of that nature. Now during this time, and I'm guessing around where we're definitely around the same age group. Now um, there were a lot of dance movies that came out. There was You Got Served. 
There was, uh, you know, Bring It On. That was uh, Stop the Yard. I mean, so so many dance movies, dance TV shows. So so you think you could dance? Like, was did that also keep you into dance dancing at at that moment, or was it was it like, okay, this is something that I'm just doing throughout high school, or did you take that beyond high school? Oh no, man, I took it beyond high school. Like once. I feel like specifically my junior year. So the drill team thing happened. I start to progress. I start to figure out who I am a little bit. And I don't know what dance it was. Maybe it was a fall dance or whatever. But I just remember I'm dancing. And then all of a sudden, there's a picture of me. And I am surrounded in a little bitty circle by people while I'm dancing. And that is the first time where I'm like, oh, like, I'm good enough where people are cheering me on at something. I don't know anyone else that's like this. And that's when I just was like, okay, this is my thing. Like, I need to dance. I don't know how or where I can go and dance, but I want it. And I can remember going and seeing You Got Served in the theaters with my girlfriend at the time and just coming out of that movie being like, yo, I have to, like, I need to go places. Where do I learn more? I wanna, I wanna, <laughs> I wanna battle people. Like I was hooked so hard, and I remember I went out when the soundtrack. I might have. I bet we went to Walmart that night, and I bet I bought the soundtrack when it dropped. And I listened to so many stupid B2K songs because that movie has so many <laughs> dance songs. But that. Oh, when I want to get pumped up, I would put Joe Button, pump it up on, and that scene from the end of that movie plays in my head, and I get so hyped on how those crews came together and just murdered it. And I just go off because I cannot believe how much that song has stuck in my soul. And as a kid who is just getting out of high school, of course, I had, you know, a couple more drill team nights. Like, everyone realizes that dance is my thing. I am trying to find, once I turned 18, or even a little bit before that, like, all of a sudden these 18 and up dance clubs start popping up in different little places. And I'm like, okay, well, we need to drive to these places. I want to dance. And once I got into like community college, I had one or two friends where we would drive to Des Moines. And at the time I was living, like I was still living in Thor. So I would meet my friend. We would drive to Des Moines. So we're driving three hours on like a Friday night or a Saturday night or whatever it was to go to these 18 up clubs. So we can dance for maybe an hour and a half, two hours before the club like shuts down and then we have to drive all the way home and get home at like three in the morning or whatever it is but like we just had an insatiable love to be able to go out dance around people we didn't know who they were and we we knew we didn't look stupid because we could move and just being out there and leaving the club at i don't know two in the morning just soaked with sweat was the best feeling in the world to me. It was, it was such an eye-opening experience to go through all those times and all those long rides home to just think like, okay, I don't know where this is taking me, 
but it's something that I absolutely love. And when someone sees that you can dance, it's an immediate eye-catching thing like, oh, they can do a thing that not everybody else can. And it's usually in somewhat of a social setting. So I found my love and I carried that love for dance all the way until I went to uh, Iowa State. And they have a hip-hop club there. And I joined that hip-hop club, and I was a part of it for at least almost eight full years in some capacity. Whether I was just a dancer or a choreographer, I became uh, involved in the cabinet that helped run that club. Uh, whether I was uh, the secretary or the president for a semester, like that's where my heart and soul for dance really really got sunken into it because I gave so many years of my life to dance and they gave so much back to me as far as what I even still have today as far as what I can use in the ring but it's one of those things that helped take my mind away from the idea of being a professional wrestler and find it, finding another medium to express myself where I could still be a fan for so many years but have something that I was completely engulfed with giving it my all uh to be able to give back and look back at the things that i did when it comes to the world of dance and listen uh like i said dancers are highly highly respected to me even if you go back through the genres of music your 50s your 60s your 70s your 80s your 90s your 2000s dance has always been a part i mean you know even going back to the swain days i mean when people would clean clean out clean out the, the dance floor and just allow people to go ahead and do their thing. And, uh, of course, if, if you go through, you know, the 60s and the 70s, you see groups like, you know, the Jackson 5. And then as, as you progress and you, you get to the 80s, the late 80s, you got new new addition, you got new kids on the block, uh, you got, you know, color. Well, I'm not going to say color me bad. They they were not good dancers at all. Uh, at all. They, they can sing. But they could dance with shit. God damn. Uh, you know, even, even in hip hop, man, you had, you know, you had, had Heavy D and the boys, you know, they dance, Hammer, uh, Vanilla Ice, you know, one time for Florida, you know, Vanilla Ice actually, he does, well, he doesn't live too far from where, where, where I grew up. Uh, but, you know, dance has just all, always been, been a part. I mean, you know, every genre of music dances in there. Uh, you know, even if, if you listen to metal, you know, you got, you, you got the little pit, you know, where people are dancing, mainly, you know, running into each other and almost knocking each other unconscious, but there's dancing involved. I mean, dance is a part of life. Uh, but with dance, uh, just, uh, go ahead and get this question out the way right now. Um, who are your top, top five dancers? of all time and it, it could be a group or it could be a, you know, a solo act top five dancers. Oh my God. Uh, there, I don't even know how I want to shape the question. All right. I'll just top five dancers. If I look back at people that inspired me, um, if I look at dancers who inspired me, uh, to progress myself, Number one at the top of that list, 100% is Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, as far as his music and the way that he dances and moves, untouchable. 
absolutely untouchable. If I jump farther along the line and I go, okay, who else was super influential during that time period where you're dropping Stompy Yard, you have, you know, all of your, uh, movies like that. When, when Chris Brown popped on the scene, again, someone who instantly caught my eye, not only as a dancer, but a performer. And that's, that's what I love as a performer myself. People like Michael Jackson, Chris Brown. Let's throw it out there. Justin Timberlake, another man who broke away from NSYNC and holy cow. Once I saw again, a white boy named JT who can dance. Oh, guess what? Light bulb went off in my head. I go, that's a man I can relate with. Uh, nowadays, I mean, even someone who is, uh, like Bruno Mars who can move. I mean, these are, these are the performers that have helped shape me when I look at, uh, what has come out of dance and performing and music and things that just inspire people that they can get their, get themselves wrapped into and follow a performer, not only for their musical style, but the way that they represent themselves through dance. In the way that they perform for the crowds that, you know, come out in the thousands to see these people. Uh, but if we look back at MTV and the season premiere of America's Best Dance Crew, yo, the Jabberwockies, season one winners. Oh, Word. Dude, I just got goosebumps saying that. I have gone back and watched their Michael Jackson performance so many times and they they murder it they are so good like that brought it to a whole new level because when i was involved in the iowa state hip-hop club i that's right when that time period was i wasn't necessarily sinking myself into dancing with the stars or uh so you think you can dance like a little bit but when mtv picked it up and we had america's best dance crew it was a whole new level. And when the Jabberwocky showed up, they set the bar so high for every season after that that I, it was, it was unfathomable. There were so many great dance groups that came out of that. Um, and then today, like, I follow a couple people, um, still on like Instagram and stuff like that. Uh, but in one of the later seasons, there was a dance group called I Am Me. And those guys came to Iowa State. We brought them in as our special, our special guests, um, for our 10th anniversary show. And those guys were all so good. Um, one of the girls that was on that crew, her name is Jaja. She is this small, fairly petite, redheaded, um, she, I'm, I mean, you look at her and you go, okay. And then you watch the way that she can move and she loves to do like robot and ticking. And she is so hardcore into crumping that when I watch her go off around the people, when she is participating in things, this girl can go 10 times harder that I could even fathom my body even going. So people all throughout dance and all different aspects of dance, I respect all of them in the way that they move because just like in professional wrestling in the world of dance, if someone is really good at, I don't know, gliding or someone's great at break dancing or pop and locking, there are so many different aspects that you can look at and go, wow, that is so amazing. I can't believe that you can do that with your body. 
even if you're good at dancing, whether it be ballet, tap, jazz, lyrical, you look at the class of wrestling, you have high flyers, you have big men, you have comedy, you have grapplers, you have technicians. There's so many different aspects to the game that you can look and you can respect so many people that do that art form that you can always continue to be learning, which will also push your game and bring you along to be a better person in whatever art form that you're portraying for people when you're entertaining them. Yeah, man. And, you know, wrestling is is the most physical dance out there. You know, you, you mentioned, you mentioned all, all those great acts like the Jabberwockies. Like, I remember, you know, the Jabberwockies caught hot fire. I mean, to, to the point they were, they were performing doing, doing the, the NBA All-Star game with Shaq. You know, you, you had Shaq big ass up there, seven foot two, you know, up, up there dancing with, with the Jabberwockies and things like that. Now, you know, my dad, kayfabe dad, Shaq, did not aspire me to dance because I'm going to be honest with the listeners. Listen. Shaq is only four inches taller than me, and I'm telling you right now, the only dance move you're gonna get out of me is a two-step, and I may throw the dice. <laughs> I may, I may throw the dice. Um, I tried the moonwalk maybe five times, didn't work out too well, and, and we're, we're talking about through childhood all the way to adulthood. Even even sometimes in the house when a Michael song comes on, I try the moonwalk, but it's so damn slow, and. I get I get agitated because it's not moving as smooth as I think that it should be going. I'm like, Michael did not move this slow to moonwalk. This 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 is a soft a sloth walk. Like this is so slow. Uh but you know dance, like I said, is a part of everything, everything uh inside life. I mean, life is a dance, uh, you know. You know, we have we have the famous quote inside Batman. Have, have you ever danced with the devil underneath the pale moon? Gosh, damn, I can't remember the end of it, but pretty sure someone will, you know, leave a voice message and, you know, finish that line for me. But uh, now you were fighting with, you know, your passion to dance. Now, while in college, did that passion for wrestling burn as much as dance or was it like, you know what? I'm tired of dance. Let me get to my first love, which is wrestling. It, the longer I was involved, uh, with the Iowa State Hip Hop Club, shout out to Dub H. Um, it was something that I was trying to like figure out what my purpose was because at the same time, I'm going through college. And as I'm going through college, like I have this passion for dance. I'm starting to get into DJing. I still am going to WWE live shows if they come anywhere close. It is still something that I come home every Monday night. And my girlfriend at the time, she knows that Monday is wrong and that there's no like, just let me give me my two hours. Let me watch this eventually turn to three hours, but just give me this time. This is all I ever asked for. Like she, she knows it's my first love. And it's one of those things where like, okay, I'm getting older, like I'm still in good shape, like I'm I'm still dancing and stuff like that, but I'm also like getting older and I'm trying to like ask myself like what do I want to do with the rest of my rest of my life? Am I supposed to be getting married? Like I have a college degree, am I using my degree? Do I want to have kids? Like I, I should be trying to make money. Like there's so many different things that I was asking myself throughout these years and 
you know, things, things changed, things, jobs changed and I started to pick up things and some things just weren't as fun as they used to be. And the relationship I was in, it wasn't what it used to be. And I was trying to do some soul searching during all this. And I like, this is probably around the time that we're starting to get a little bit more like into the podcast world. There's still not a ton of podcasts, but there's a little bit. It's just starting to trickle out there. And I'm spending a lot more time in the gym because it's starting to become an outlet. I want to, I want to be stronger. I want to gain more physical size. Um, just for my own personal, my own personal benefit, my own personal gain, I want to become a bigger person. Um, and I was fortunate enough that through all of this, that I still have my love for professional wrestling myself, just like most kids, they have a dream and that dream is to attend a WrestleMania. And I was fortunate enough one year that my, my ex and my family got together and they hooked me up with two tickets to WrestleMania, which is one of the craziest things that I ever experienced opening a gift with two tickets saying hey you figure out how to fly there but you have two tickets take who you want and i instantly knew who i wanted i had one of my best friends who i wanted to give to him what someone just gave to me i wanted to give him a ticket and say yo dog we're going to wrestlemania and wrestlemania 31 myself and my friend we went there and we were able to experience what we've always wanted to experience in person. And it was like, whenever I talk about this, I always think to myself, like, I was the right place, the right time, and the right thing happened. And at the end of WrestleMania 31, when Seth Rollins' music hits, and he runs down, cashes in the money in the bank, hits that curb stomp on Roman and pins him and the kid from Iowa sees the man from Iowa standing at the top of the entrance ramp whipping that title around his head I just am seeing the fireworks go off and I go this is it this is the sign I can do it I'm gonna try I'm not saying that I'm gonna succeed and I'm not gonna be down there on the Wrestlemania stage like Seth Rollins but I have to, I have to try. This is, this is a sign. I can't believe this is happening. And when I went back home and I ran across something, I think on Facebook for the Black and Brave Wrestling Academy that's starting up, run by Merrick Brave and Seth Rollins. It was only a couple hours from where I live in Ames, Iowa. I knew it. I had to do it. I had to, I had to find a way to get the money to put in an application to be accepted to start my lifelong dream of becoming a professional wrestler. And that's absolutely and exactly what I did. And that was such a great part one to this interview. Part two will be dropping next Thursday with the six star booty himself, JT Energy. Uh, so much information given just in part one which makes you definitely know that part two is definitely going to be closing out with a bang. I'd like to thank him for definitely coming on for part one of this interview. Part two drops next Thursday. 
be prepared. Yes, be prepared because next Thursday you have the chance to actually win some JT Energy merchandise. Uh, only thing you have to do, like we tell you after every episode, is click the link inside the description of this episode where it says leave a voice message. Click that and send it to us. Hit us up in the DMs on IG, Twitter, the Book of Faces. Let us know, hey, listen, I just dropped you a voice message. Send me my prize. And we'll get it out to you as soon as we can. Of course, times can vary dealing right now with the pandemic. And of course, with number 45 cutting all postal services. But that's another story. But with that being said, hey, I think it's that time that we close out the show. So I have to remind you to. And I need you all to turn up the volume on your radio or if you're listening to it on your phone, turn it up on your headphones, what have you, wherever you're at, whatever device you're listening to it on, turn it up. Know that we love you when we say this and we mean this from the bottom of our hearts. I need you to wash your hands and wash your ass. And as Ray would say, use some damn soap, people, please. We're trying to slow down this spread from the pandemic. And as Sheets would say, you want to make sure that you're doing it from face to ass, but not ass to face. And we out. Peace. Say that's crazy.